Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnicht. Our workshop episode today is about taking a deeper look into the idea of dress for success. And our expert guest is Katherine Cassidy. She is CEO and chief stylist of You Styled. Hi, Katherine. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to hear more of your thoughts because immediately when I connected with your brand, I already felt empowered. Your motto is style strategy for a powerful presence. Can you tell us about You Styled? Absolutely. Uh, well, the short answer, because <laughs> it's been an eight-year journey, but the short answer is that we work with professional women, helping them to define who they are and how they want to show up. And also, most importantly, why they want to show up, why they're raising their hand, um, using their voice, uh, speaking out. So we take all this information to help them define what we, what I actually call their leadership style power. So it's it's about respecting the audience, it's about respecting yourself, and it's about making sure that you get your message heard. My bottom line is that we need more women in leadership, and that comes from confidence in yourself, in your presence, in your power. So we use style as a catalyst for you to own your power and your presence. Um, and we, over the course of the years, have worked with hundreds of women. So we've really gotten to understand sort of a lot of the barriers that women have around their visibility, challenges that they have with their style. And we have different ways that women can work with us because even from day one, the whole point was always, how do we make it accessible for a woman to work with a stylist? Um, and how do we make it easy for her to get out the door? Uh, not necessarily sacrificing style, but certainly not having to take so much time. Love it. And your content, your blog is an amazing place to go for some inspiration as well. I just love how you look at kind of wardrobe action plans and you also have features like dressing for success in a man's world. Um, what have been some of the favorite topics that you've hit? Oh, it's such a broad range that I share because I definitely look at it from a lifestyle yeah. perspective. It's about your career and your career is an extension of who you are. It's where you spend a lot of your time if you're a professional woman. So at the same time, you know, we are looking to balance certain things. Uh, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. We take on a lot as women. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I like to look at the entire journey of building your career. So. Um, I think one of the ones that I always, it was just one of the most inspired posts that I wrote and it got a lot of traction. It's about like the importance of your style and your presence and how what you wear actually impacts how you perform. Um, so it references some studies about, uh, it's, it's a study actually from 2012 from Northwestern School of Business, a business professor who conducted this research, taking the idea of enclosed cognition and merging it with the idea of dress for success. And he wanted to see like, what does, what really does dress for success mean? Does what you wear actually impact how you perform? So we referenced the study in the blog post and it's why I'm so passionate about like paying attention to what you wear, not for other people, but for yourself. And what they found with the study as they did it, where they would take three, three groups, you know, a control group, group A, group B, and Group A, they would tell they were wearing a painter's smock. 
group B, they would tell they were wearing a, um, a doctor's lab coat. And then group, the control group was just wearing a white coat <laughs> and like consistently through the different sorts of tests that they took. And these were Northwestern MBA students. So, you know, smart people, the, those that were told that they were wearing the doctor's lab coat consistently outperformed the others. And wow. so all that that was, was that they were acting as if they were doctors. They were taking it as seriously as if they were doctors. Um, so, you know, that being said, it's not like you need to like dress impeccably every time, every day, but there is definitely some power in paying attention to what you're wearing and how you're showing up. And certainly when you have a big event, uh, an interview and, and those sorts of things. So I think that's, that's like that blog post is the essence of you styled. And um, it's very much about, again, you know, how do you show up so you feel good and powerful and confident? in the moment. And clothes don't necessarily have to be a part of that. You know, you can totally own your presence in a sloppy suit. If that really truly feels good for you, you know, um, I'm not, I, it's a little bit of a, you know, I'm a, I'm not a typical stylist or CEO of a style company in that way, because you know what, like if you're Mark Zuckerberg and you don't care what other people think about you and you're dressing for efficiency, totally cool. If you're fully owning that and you feel the best in that outfit, go for it. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, but for women, style is a very nuanced conversation. So it's not too often that we see that, uh, that in women. <laughs> so. yeah. And you styled is definitely the place to come to have that conversation. So I highly recommend everyone check it out. Where can we find more? I would just direct you to straight to the the main website, youstyle.com. And that's the letter U and a D at the end, which always is a little bit of a extra explanation when I talk to someone new, but it means they remember it. Um, and there is a free training on leadership style power that you can sign up for. Uh, just straight you know, scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll get the first module on the five C's of leadership style power immediately. So if this is something that you've been considering and you want to dig into, I really created this to get you to start thinking differently about why you're show why you want to show up, how you want to show up, um, and then you know what it takes to take evolve your style to the next level for yourself. Uh, and then of course uh, that also actually opts you in, so you can get our newsletter, so you can keep up to date on our blog posts. But you can certainly just follow us on Instagram. It's just the at you styled, or I'm um, on Twitter Twitter as well. And all of these are linked on the website, um, but that would be the place to to go to find a little bit more insight and inspiration. Can we ask for a few tips, kind of a sneak peek into the services you offer? What are some of the top tips that you find are helpful for looking for our, our leadership style power? I would say the number one thing is to focus on fit. And you know, that can be a tricky thing to address, especially, you know, if you're just starting out in your career and, you know, your budget is a little bit more limited. So maybe you are buying things on sale because you need to just build up your wardrobe so you have clothes. And that's totally fine. You know, so especially if it's like, I just need to get started. That gives you an opportunity to like play with who you are and how you want to show up. And, and a, you know, you know that you're only going to have those clothes for a certain amount of time. Um, but you, you can wear the least, you know, 
least expensive clothes, but if they fit you well, no one's going to know how inexpensive they are. Um, you can wear the most expensive clothes and if they don't fit you well, you know, all people are going to see is that it's, you know, too baggy, too bunchy, whatever. Um, so I'm not a huge advocate for, for tailoring unless you have a really good tailor who can really guide you the right way. Um, you can get really expensive. I'm more of a fan of like the simple ones, like, you know, taking in your pants just a little bit at the waist or an easy uh, hem of your sleeve or your pant. Um, maybe taking in a blouse a bit at the, at the, at the waist so that it's not so boxy. It flows a little bit more with your shape. Um, certainly taking something up at the shoulders, if it's a pretty, if it's not going to, you know, alter the construction of the dress or the top too much, uh, can be an easy fix because sometimes it's just, it's, you know, your proportions are, I mean, designers are trying to do their best to, to fit as many bodies as possible, but we women are quite unique. We are very much snowflakes. Um, so as you're buying clothes, just really focus on the fit. Um, and then secondary would be focusing on the quality and how you feel in those clothes. Like there's a reason why Marie Kondo is, you know, bl has blown up because it's really truly much easier to get dressed if you really like everything you have in your closet because you, you're not going to make a bad choice when you go and get dressed in the morning. So, cause I always say, you know, depending on what you're doing in the day, depending on who you're meeting with, uh, how much you're walking, <laughs> make the decision on what to wear, starting with the one piece you definitely want to wear and build your outfit around that. So if you're focusing on fit, you're focusing on quality, it'll be really easy to do that and throw together an outfit. Um, and the other piece of that, as far as throwing together an outfit is making sure that you have the foundational pieces and a, and a balanced wardrobe. Um, so the foundational pieces are um, the, you know, like your basic dark suit, your white blouse, your statement necklace. I like to, I have a pair of black pumps and a pair of nude pumps. So that way, I mean, add variety from there, but that way you always have a pair of shoes to go with whatever you're wearing. Um, you know, it's your, your favorite denim, those sorts of things. So if you have those basic foundational pieces and you buy something new, a fun piece, a print, a color you'll typically always have something to wear that piece with. Um, they, I call the foundational pieces, you know, they ground your wardrobe. So that makes it if you have like the brightest, boldest print of a blouse, and that's what you want to wear when you go into your closet in the morning because you want to make a statement because you're going into a creative meeting, then, you know, you have the pieces that can can play with that. And maybe in some ways tone it down a little bit because a big part of this is, is making sure that you're mindful of your audience. You don't want to, it's not about shock and awe. It's about getting them to buy into what you're saying. And at the same time, making sure that you're totally showing up as yourself, not compromising yourself for the sake of the audience, because they're going to feel that too. Ultimately, I guess it comes down to energy and that's where, that's why I call it leadership style power is because it's owning your power as a woman. Um, and having a powerful presence, which goes a lot deeper than the topic of executive presence. I really feel like the whole theme of our conversation here and about redefining dress for success. And I know that that is also close to your heart and at the core of your business. Can you just give us some background? What do you feel is wrong in the first place with the term dress for success? And why do you want to refocus the conversation? 
You know, it's not so much anything with the term, but what the term has come to mean. And if you go into most corporate environments, and certainly, you know, it's something that companies really struggle with now because dress codes are so varied, is that my my problem with, with the idea of it and the conversation that we typically have is that it's about what you should do. And so it's a very shaming process. It's very much about how do I fit in? versus how do I stand out? And, you know, there is certainly, this is why I talk about being respectful of your audience, because you do need to be respectful of your audience, because your message is not going to get across if you're not respectful of your audience. But you also have to be respectful of yourself and who you are and why you're putting yourself out there in the first place. And the way that companies uh, have typically addressed that doesn't speak to respecting who you are it speaks to you know a lot of cultural norms that come from historically male-dominated society and, and and company culture like i did a talk at a bank once and they wanted me to make sure that i told the young women to wear hose and this was like two years ago so i was like i will figure out a way to make sure i communicate <laughs> that they should dress appropriately to respect <laughs> yeah. the customers I'm like, I'm definitely not going to say, which is like, I mean, that's a challenge for me is I want to do more work going into organizations, talking to the their employees about this topic of leadership style power. Um, and HR departments will want me to do those sorts of things. And I don't, I won't. So, you know, I don't get to work with those companies. <laughs> but yeah. So fascinating. I will say... And I've said this to people and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I would like to write you styled out of existence. I hope at some point you style does not a need to exist because the conversation around style is about how do you express yourself and, you know, how do you have fun with it so that, you know, it's more of a creative expression. It's easy to find the pieces that you want and need for your wardrobe. You are confident in the quality of the clothes that you're buying you know, like you're definitely aware of how the clothes that you were made, you're wearing or buying were made and the conditions that they were made in. Um, so I think that's going to still take a lot more time um, because this is definitely a cultural shift. But I mean, that's ultimately really, truly my goal. And that goes for men as well. I mean, this is not just about women owning their confidence. Um, you know, as I've moved to DC, I really have realized how it's just about getting the right people in, in the leadership positions, the most qualified, the most compassionate, the best person for the job, regardless of sex, um, you know, orientation, color, any of that. And confidence is always the catalyst because there are plenty of shy guys out there too. You know, plenty of guys that are not raising their hand who should be using their voice. Um, but at the end of the day, it's way harder for women to find the right clothes. So that's why we focus on working with women. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And speaking of finding your leadership style power, you also have your own podcast and video series. Yes. Yes. Um, so I started this. This is actually something that I did the first time around about three years ago. I just wanted to interview the baddest women that I knew. And it didn't really take off. I didn't put too much effort into it. I was also, you know, it's three years earlier. And just timing can be everything sometimes. 
so fast forward to eventually moving from LA to DC and just really connecting to the women's leadership movement here, which was a big part of why I moved from LA to DC. But, uh, and everything that happened <laughs> last year in 2016, politically here in DC, I, I just, it was a perfect storm of like, oh my gosh, this is what I have to do. Like, I have to start this podcast. I know somehow I was able to get really well connected here in DC pretty quickly with some incredible women who are, you know, very well connected and very, you know, dynamic working in the women's leadership movement. So I was like, I need to start sharing these stories because a lot of these organizations, people outside of DC don't know, which was then what made me to think, you know, we, this is telling the story of, you know, the women in leadership of, of different organizations, of different companies, not necessarily the, the women in the media that you see as leaders. So the goal and the intention being, I want women to connect with, you know, what's really, truly possible for them, because these can still be really high powered women. Uh, and some of the women that we will have on the podcast will definitely be, you know, high, high level Fortune 100 women in leadership, but they're not the ones that you read about unless maybe you read Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Women issue every year, as I do. Um, so it really was about, like, let's talk about these stories. What has it taken to get you here? Um, what are, you know, what are some of the obstacles? What are some of the lessons that you've learned? What do you think leadership means? Um, because one of my, my frustrations is that I see a lot of women who don't see themselves as leaders, even though they are leading by example every single day in how they show up for work. So that was the inspiration. and as I was sharing with you, Kelsey, personally, it's like, it's very straightforward way that I'm producing it. So I can just get it done because it just needs to get going. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's part of it too. It's, it's like, it's something that will continue to grow. And it's something that I'm passionate about. And I just was like, this needs to get out here. So, so far, it's been fairly well received. Um, and I'm excited to, to, to see where it goes. But it's definitely about how can we inspire and empower you to see your potential and own your power? Definitely check this out on iTunes and also on YouTube at you styled leadership style power. I really love all of these stories that you're sharing, Catherine, because there is big power in deciding to go for something, perhaps being brave not necessarily perfect. Um, so could you share with us your own path? How did you come to start your own business? And how did you know that this was what you wanted to do, that it was a good fit for you and your life? Well, the first C of the leadership style power, five C's, is courage. Because courage is how you get through your fear. You move through your fear. And connect, connected to courage is your why. So honestly, I, my story is, is all up, down, and all around, but it starts with not getting into Stanford and going to USC for their business school and not knowing that USC has one of the top entrepreneurship programs, but stumbling upon it when I was there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get directly admitted to the business school when I applied and USC clearly wanted me because I got my notice very early. So I was like, if you want me, you got me. And when I took the entrepreneurship class, it completely changed the way I thought about what was possible for myself. 
I was certainly on the track to be another consultant in finance or, you know, just strategic consulting. And my feasibility analysis at USC was actually for a fashion company. So I've always just appreciated clothes quality for my own story of how I've used style to move through my shyness and feel more confident in situations that I wasn't completely confident in. When I went to USC, I literally knew nobody. And um, taking this girl out of the Midwest <laughs> to, to bright and sunny LA, complete with like my polo shirts and <laughs> uh, clogs, um, you know, it was a it was a really big culture shift. So uh, it was all of those things kind of came together to realize that the the business of fashion is where my heart was, and I ended up. My first job was at Robinson's May in their accounting department because I've always been good at math. And I just was like, this is a foot in the door. And they were going through a merger with what, you know, essentially is Bloomingdale's and Macy's. So it was an opportunity for me to experience change management, which was one of the courses that I took at USC and I really liked. So that also meant that it was a short term job, a foot in the door in the fashion industry and an opportunity to, you know, be able to be put in front of other fashion companies because of the way they manage the process that I would not have had access to otherwise, which led to my job at BCBG as an assistant merchandiser, which I definitely did not think that I could get a merchandising job at first. Um, and I share this part of the story because, you know, you are only limited by what you believe in yourself. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't have any merchandising experience. I should go to FITM. Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising to get an associate's degree in merchandising so that I can get a merchandising job. And then I was like, wait a second. No, I have a business degree from USC. That is way better. <laughs> no offense to anyone from FITM, but that is way better than just an associate's degree from FITM. And, you know, as soon as I shifted my thinking, literally like that week, I had an interview I had a conversation with the recruiter from BCBG telling her what I wanted to do. And she goes, I have a position for an assistant merchandiser. Would you be interested in that? <laughs> and I'm just like trying to keep my cool. <laughs> yes, please. Um, two Amazing. weeks later. Yeah, exactly. I love this kind of like how the <laughs> shift in mentality led to a shift in your job search. Absolutely. And, you know, it was just like the believing in myself, having the courage to, to be able to articulate and stand up for what I could do. Um, and then, you know, it was incredibly intimidating in those interviews because these are like super cool fashion people. And I'm really not a super cool fashion person. I just love the business of fashion and I, I love clothes as far as the creative expression of who you are. So um, I got the job two weeks later, I was there and um, it was an amazing journey, but it wasn't completely fulfilling. Um, at the end of the day, most of our clothes sold on sale. And I realized that was meaning that women were buying clothes for, you know, just the designer name. And uh, it, they were adding bulk to their closet. Like it wasn't for the quality. It wasn't for a new piece that they loved. Because if you're buying something on sale, you know, you're typically compromising a little bit. You're compromising on fit. You're compromising on quality. You're compromising on color. Because you're like, oh, well, this is good enough. And um, I was like, I don't, I don't like that. And the fashion industry was like that over eight years ago. It's still like that today. Like we're seeing a lot of shifts going on in the fashion industry with 
with uh, companies innovating and disrupting. But um, ultimately, I spent about a year and a half going on really long hikes and being like, how do I, what do I do next? Like, I don't want to go to New York. That's where the companies that are functional <laughs> versus dysfunctional are. Um, you know, I'm not seeing anything exciting here in LA. And it took me a good like six or eight months before I got a push from my best friend who was like, Catherine, you are not happy. You need to quit your job. You need to start your business. And um, there, that was like a little like in my little nudge in my brain. And it was in the middle of like rush hour traffic when I was having serious road rage. And again, I'm not an angry person, but for that last year and a half, I was definitely a lot angrier than I typically am. And I was like, this can't continue. And that was when I'm like, yes, this is how I'm going to do my business. And this, and so I started it. I gave my notice, um, two weeks later, finished up two weeks later. I had a part-time job, um, for the, honestly, for the first five years, I had some sort of a part-time job because this was a service-based business. I was getting my sea legs. I was 25. I thought I knew everything. I knew nothing. Um, I'm completely grateful for every step of the journey because (laughs) I wouldn't be who I am without it. It's created an an incredible resilience. Um, It's created the opportunity for me to like have, you know, some sort of shit hit the fan (laughs) and be like, all right, that's cool. I can get it. I'll figure it out. Like this is happening for a reason. Where's my opportunity to learn from this? How do I pivot? Um, I mean, even Boutique Box, one of our signature programs comes from, you know, I think it was about four years in and women were just not investing in personal shopping, which was the whole point of it. I started the business to make it easier for women to shop so they would stop making mistakes. So they would spend money on clothes that they valued, but they were still doing the same thing after a style session because they were trying to do it on their own still. Um, And I was like, how do I figure this out? And so, you know, boutique box is not free like a stitch fix or a trunk club. Um, because we are actually curating the box for you and going into the stores for you. Um, but because of the way that we've um, we've sort of structured it logistically for ourselves, we can offer basically a discount on a service. And um, that way, when I when I packaged it like a product, then it was like, boom, it completely shifted the business. I was able to go full time into the business about a year after that. Um, And so I guess the bottom line of it is it's like taking the time to think and process, what do I really want? Why do I want it? Like what, you know, what do I want to contribute? What kind of an impact can I make? And then paying attention to yourself because those little pings, those little nudges, like that's not necessarily crazy talk. (laughs) That's probably your intuition and like, you know, getting some guidance. And, you know, it's not like you need to take a blind leap of faith. You can certainly do like what I did and have a part-time job. So you still have a good amount of time to commit to your business. You still have financial stability and you get to start working on something that you love. So even if you hate your part-time job, at least you're lit up um, and inspired with, with your passion uh, for, for building your business otherwise. Um, And I think it helps to have people around you who, who have your back. Um, you know, I know it helps, uh, to be honest, my parents weren't totally supportive at first. Cause they're like, what are you going to do about health insurance? Um, which was, you know, pre everything, but you know, I ended up getting like a stop loss plan for at the time, 60 bucks a month, which it 
by the time actually with Obamacare, it went up quite a bit, but I'm like, well, that's the cost of like making up for all these years of not having access for everybody. So, um, you know, and it just, it all works out. Like it sucks sometimes, but <laughs> it all works out. So, um, and then it's fun most of the time. Cause even when it sucks, it's like, you're still doing something that you really believe in. And as long as you're not being naive about it, uh, with your head in the sand, which I will admit I definitely was at cer certain points, I had a lot of credit card debt that I racked up, not necessarily from strategic investments, <laughs> but, um, you know, but even that, you know, that's an opportunity for me to learn. Okay. So now what do I look at? How am I, how I look at how I spend my money is so different. What I invest in for the business is, and how I know what's worth investing in or how I prioritize it is so different. Um, so, I mean, that courage, I think just comes from the conviction of, I know this is what I need to do and not letting anyone get in your way from doing that. Like feedback is good, but just make sure that you're just taking it in for perspective and not like, that's what you, you know, that's that someone else who loves you and maybe wants you to be safe and secure may, they have your best interest at heart, but you know, what they want for you is not necessarily what you want or what you need. Mm -hmm. Wow. So many lessons learned. <laughs> yes. This is so valuable. <laughs> Over eight years in business will do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's almost the best endorsement for kind of starting your own business or, or jumping into something is it's, it's the ultimate learning process and um, yeah, learning new things, but then also learning so much about yourself. Absolutely. It's not for the faint of heart. So that's why I try not to sugarcoat it at all. I mean, there have been... There was a year I was literally below the line of poverty as far as how much I brought in. Um, fortunately, I had people that could kind of help me get through it. You know, there were so many years of like super, super lean living um, and working day and night, friendships that were sacrificed because they didn't understand why I couldn't do certain things, um, you know, but the friendships that's, that stayed and supported me, like they're, they're forever friends, you know. Um, so it's, it's definitely not the easy route. But it's an incredibly gratifying route if you have the the courage and the resilience for it. One thing I noticed in your story is that you did make a huge location change, a few mm -hmm. a few different moves. Yeah. Um, but especially going from LA to DC, it seemed like there was a shift, even in the topics that uh, women in leadership were talking about, and perhaps in their style as well. And many listeners of the Women in Diplomacy podcast work internationally, perhaps travel a lot, are maybe, um, you know, working in diverse cultural settings. Any tips for those of us that do maybe struggle to dress in diverse settings? Oh, that is such a personal question and such a tricky one to answer because of that. I, I would say the one, number one thing would be, you know, making sure that you're wearing something that, that, that fits who you are. So even if you're wearing something that's like a burqa, you know, there's some way that you're honoring yourself. I mean, if you, if you look at those cultures, that's why like the makeup is such a big piece of it. Um, so some way you're still holding, you know, true to yourself, or maybe it's what you're wearing underneath. There are definitely ways that you can incorporate yourself into an outfit while respecting the culture. Uh, for example, one of my clients that I worked with 
at the very beginning of, of, of you styled was working in a very corporate environment. And she was actually, she now has her own business. So she was kind of in a place of transitioning, but she was like her personal style being from Northern California, <laughs> close to the Berkeley area was a little bit more hippie, to be honest. So she was having to wear a very basic suit every day, very boring, very basic. She wasn't investing much at all into the suits because she didn't like them. She wore them because she had to. So when we worked together, I helped her to see how she can incorporate more of her her personal personality, her play clothes, as she called them, into her work clothes so that she could have herself still represented while being appropriate for the audience. Um, and in that, in her case, it was as simple as, you know, one of her printed tops underneath her blazer and her suit, you know, so it doesn't have to be anything too hard. Um, but it is, it is being a bit mindful. Absolutely. Closing words of advice. My father is a CEO. He's been in high level leadership positions pretty much my entire life. And so dinner time lectures are, they still happen. And I'm a grown adult. Um, now I'm trying to get him to listen to me more, but something that he's always said that sticks with me and it wasn't, is you're still working on your, your project. Um, the context would be because I was like bothering my brothers, but it's true. Like we are constantly evolving. And as I shared before, when I was 25, I thought I knew it all. I was ready to start my business. I was frustrated that I wasn't getting promoted. And, you know, I, saw that there was an opportunity for, for change. I did not know what I did not know. Um, I just reread a blog post of mine yesterday that I wrote three years ago, contemplating, you know, I was like, yes, this is about relationships and love and, you know, talking about balance. And I'm like, yes, I'm ready for it. You know, and I was rereading it yesterday. I was like, oh, little did you know. <laughs> and that was just three, I was already 31 at the time. So, you know, I think it's just, you know, you, there's no like arriving. So just appreciate where you are and take in the lessons that you're learning, take in the experiences that you're having and know that it's all serving a purpose. Because even though I have said this before, and apparently it's actually, you know, attributed to Steve Jobs, though I had never seen it, um, is, you know, you really truly only can connect the dots backwards. It's only in looking back that I can see oh my God, I remember what I wore when I moved at, in fifth grade and how important that first outfit was in making me feel better about going into a new school, not knowing anybody. Or, you know, I remember every outfit I wore for sorority rush when I was completely uncomfortable um, doing a, a feasibility analysis on a fashion company. Like, but I never thought that I would be starting a fashion company or even the leadership piece of it, except for that my dad gave me like one of the first issues of Fortune's Most Powerful Women. So um, I don't know. I mean, that's obviously looking back, but I still think it, it's like one of the, the biggest lessons that I've had. And I'm working on this on a continual basis because it's really hard for high achiever women <laughs> to do this is to just appreciate the present and not worry so much about the future and not be down on yourself about anything that's happened in the past because everything truly happens for a reason. So, you know, everything that's going to unfold for you in the future, I like, I mean, I didn't think my business would be where it is right now, eight years in, 
I honestly thought it would be a lot bigger. At the same time, I am in the perfect place for myself. I never thought that I would leave LA, but you know, I had a hit that I needed to travel to explore other markets. And the more I left LA, the more I realized it wasn't my home anymore. Um, I could not have predicted that at all. Um, but it was by being present and saying, you know, I think I really need to do this that opened up the possibility and everything else. So, um, and I, you know, I have obviously still big dreams for what I can do with you styled in this message. And I'm nowhere near like, this is still very much the beginning and we're eight years in. So, um, (laughs) if I can leave you with that, it's like, I, you know, again, I've learned so much, but there's still so much more to learn. And I'm excited about that. That's the fun part. Thanks for listening to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. The theme song for this podcast is called Misty Moses, and it's by the artists Rodrigo y Gabriela. Use of that recording is graciously provided by RubyWorks Records in Dublin, Ireland. For more information and to download more music by Rodrigo y Gabriela, check out theforeignpolicyproject.org. Thank you.